Ciao and benvenuto nel podcast di Eurotrips. Ora siamo e marzo e le cose si stanno apprende nelle leghe europee. Sono il tuo ospite Andy e sono com- come sempre aficionato di Ryan, Naim e Jonathan. How are you boys? Well, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I'd bring a little bit of culture, a little bit of um, get more of an Italian audience to our podcast. So I thought I'd um, just have a little different intro to normal. I hope you enjoyed my Italian, all of you. I like yeah. it. Yeah, you didn't butcher it, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Makes a nice change, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I think we, we're not sure if he butchered it. He probably did, but we're just not sure. Yeah, I, I probably did. I probably did. Any Italians that listen to that, let, let us know if I did butcher that, because I probably did. But um, if I do, just um, complain to Google Translate. <laughs> oh, I can't be using that, man. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't speak Italian. I mean, I, I want to learn Italian at some point because I do like the, the country. But um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't bear to learn a language at the moment. It's just too much commitment. Otherwise, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, we are gonna obviously no Champions League this week. We're all back to just for this week anyway. Until next week, we're back to just regular sort of domestic action, but obviously next week we're back for more of the second legs of the uh, Champions League, last of 16 rounds. So our first thing we're going to focus on this week is in Germany. So Jonathan, what's been happening in the Bundesliga this week? Well, I first want to start off with the Freiburg game as they beat Hertha Berlin 3-0. Of course, I love Freiburg so much, and this is a big win for them to keep on pushing towards the Champions League. They're back in form now. They've you know had a couple of big wins, including just yesterday in the DFB Pokal. Um, but I just want to talk about Hertha for a second because they're again back in the relegation zone for another year now. You know they had that massive investment of around 115, 125 million euros back in 2019. Um, they've spent around 374 million euros as well since then um, on transfers, among other items. They have a new sporting director in Freddie Bobich, and, and you know it's nothing's going on. They're still struggling. There's a very good chance they go down or at least get into that playoff relegation playoff position, um, and it's just terrible from the biggest financial investment in Bundesliga his, history to against Freiburg. They were playing their fourth string goal, goalkeeper, and I you know I know they had some COVID issues, but I mean still just to not put up a fight um, against. Hardly any of the teams in the, in the upper table is, is pretty sad for a team with so much money and so much backing. And, you know, now there are even reports that, you know, some of the, you know, investment groups or investment people aren't you know, extremely happy, which, of course, is justified. And, and so many problems going on there. Um, and, and it's not looking good for the capital club. The other capital club, Union Berlin, beat Mainz 3-1. Back on track again. There was an unbelievable Geraldo Becker goal where he curled one into the corner. And it was nice to see Taiwan Awanyi back on the score sheet. Uh, it was his first goal since December. You know, he was at AFCON for a little while there. But a good game and a good performance from a Berlin team that's also pushing for Europe. Hoffenheim beat Stuttgart 2-1. I don't know how many times Stuttgart has lost by a goal this season. But it seems like... You know, it's happening on a consistent basis, um, you know, with, with this run of form that they're currently having where they just can't even get a point. And then when it looks like they're going to get all three, they fall back and, and blow it and, and settle for a point. Uh, if they keep on trending in this direction, I don't see them get being able to get out of those bottom two places. 
Leipzig beat Bochum 1-0. Kind of a tough game, uh, frustrating first half, but, <laughs> you know, it's funny when you bring on Christopher Nkunku, Danny Omo, and Andre Silva in the second half, which were the three subs, um, you know, that's that's pretty lethal with those three guys coming off the bench. Of course, Nkunku won it, um, had the goal. That was the difference. I could really see them jumping Borussia Dortmund when it all comes said and done in second. Dortmund continue to fall and fall back. Um, Leverkusen is, is up and down. You know, they're scoring goals all over the place, but they're all still letting them in as in previous seasons. So I really could see Leipzig getting up into that second spot when it's when it's all finished by May. First tight Cologne, really, really bad, uh, bad result for Cologne there. Leverkusen beat Bielefeld 3-0. Uh, Musa Diaby had had a brace. Uh, Schick was in the stands. Looked like he's going to be out for a little while with a little injury. But some great individual runs from Diaby, which which was fun to see. Gladbach tied Wolfsburg two to two. This game looks, you know, even before the the match even started, you could just tell these two teams are the exact same this year. Uh, they can hardly do anything, even though they both have talented squads. It was going to be a tie no matter what. Um, Two underperforming massive clubs. Another Jonas Wingold. He's, he's played really well in these first couple of games since he was brought over in the winter. Um, a red card for LaCroix on Marcus Turam. Um, and Wolfsburg, of course, blow yet another league. Um, you know, Gladbach actually thought they won it on a on Ginter goal, but was called back for a, for a foul in the lead-up play. But uh, a fair result and pretty much sums up both their seasons up to this point. Bayern beat Frankfurt 1-0. Barely escaped. Uh, Frankfurt's a team that, that sort of nipped Bayern. They, they beat them earlier in the year with a really, really good Kevin Trapp performance, and he showed up yet again. Thomas Muller had COVID, so he wasn't um, in the squad. Bayern had most of the ball, of course. Frankfurt really only worked on the counter. Um, and they substituted Leroy Sané in. He put one through, and, and a great game from Kevin Trapp is, is what kept it so close. Um, he always turns up against Bayern. He's an excellent keeper one of the best in Germany. And finally, Borussia Dortmund yet again tied with Augsburg. Um, you know, I always say it, no Holland, no party. Thomas Mounier is now out for what looks like months. Who knows when Holland will be back? Um, you know, they did have a great goal from Torgan Hazard there, but a terrible draw. There, there have been some reports, because I don't think I can really say it on, on this podcast, but, um, you know, Jude Bellingham the other day was, was upset with the Nico Schultz pass. It's sort of... The video went went viral of him yelling and, and swearing at his at his teammate there for not putting the ball in, in the place he wanted it uh, below his feet. Um, but there's some other reports coming out that Axel Witzel confronted him in the locker room. I'm not sure if it was after this game or at halftime or, or what, but uh, Marco Rose did defend him after the game. But, you know, he's 18, 18 years old, extremely young, um, got a lot of room for growth, but some might see this as as a leader. Others might say this as, you know, he has no right to do this at such a young age. Um, but some stuff is going on in that Borussia Dortmund lock, locker room, which will be something interesting to look out for. Uh, we had a couple of DFB Pokal games this week in the final four um, are set. We've got Hamburg, Union, Freiburg, and Leipzig, which is an awesome four, I think. Uh, I'd like any team other than Leipzig to win, just just to make something new. But still to not have Bayern or Dortmund in those semifinals is a little breath of fresh air. And um, that's what's been going on so far in Germany. 
Uh, Ryan, um, what, what did you have to say on that? No, I just wanted to ask Jonathan's opinion on, on, on Jude Bellingham and where he thinks he might end up because he's obviously continuously linked with a move to the Premier League and Liverpool are normally the main sort of link in that. But he was also linked, surprisingly, to Arsenal over the um, last week or so after he had an interview with some media outlets and basically said that you know he likes London, he likes Mikel Arteta and whatnot. So where, where, where do you see his future potentially, Jonathan? I don't know if I see him at Arsenal. I, I saw that rumour as well. Um, I haven't seen that really before this last week or so. You know, I've seen the rumors of him as well as a couple of his teammates, teammates at Manchester United. I see him probably best at, at United or Liverpool. I'm not sure how long Liverpool will hold on to Thiago. Or, you know, I know Jordan Henderson hasn't had his best year up to this point. Um, he's had some good moments here and there. But Liverpool always looking to strengthen their midfield. But I really would like to see him stay at Dortmund for a couple more years, um, keep building that. Maybe his brother Job will come over. He's been linked as well. He's uh, 16 years old at Birmingham City. So maybe have them play for a season or two together. Um, and then I see him moving on to either Liverpool or United. I mean, United's midfield. The, United's also looking at uh, Haidara, Amadou Haidara from Leipzig. So it'll be interesting to see what, what uh, Ragnik does there. But those are the two clubs at the end of the day. Hopefully, in a couple of years, he waits on it. Yeah, I think going back to Arling, I think we've been linked for a while as well. And I think one thing we've shown with the signing of Diaz, obviously, Jotters come in and then especially taking Firmino's place, not something we thought he'd do when he arrived from Wolves. But I think we're already preparing for the next sort of wave of players. I think the front, there are our front threes getting the one we got used to all these years with the Mane, Salam, Firmino. That's slowly getting torn apart, I think. I think. In the next two years, we'll see Paul Firmino and Mane both leave. And I think Bellingham might be the Henderson replacement. I know, I know he's signed a new deal, but he hasn't had his best season by his standards. So I do think that Bellingham is probably the, not, I won't say the heir apparent. I think Bellingham's definitely capable of taking over his place already. But I do feel that Bellingham probably, if we do sign him, that'll be our, our way of sort of, almost like not weeding Henderson out, but sort of um, limiting his games. He's above 30 anyway. And I think we're going to see probably him phased out the first team the, the next two or three years. And that probably will be where Bellingham or someone else of similar ilk come in and replace him. Um, speaking of Dortmund, I saw loads of rumours of Javi holding meetings with um, sort of the, the team about trying to get Haaland in the summer. And his replacement, if he does go, has been talked about as being Timo Werner with um, Tuchel apparently not sort of seemingly set on him being there in his long-term plan. So it's interesting what will happen with that, with the whole Werner situation, but also the Haaland situation, I think he's going to leave. It's a question of who. I still think Barcelona is an outside shout, but I think the size of that club, same as Real Madrid and Man U, unfortunately, um, they, they can attract any players, no matter how bad or good their season's been. But speaking of Chelsea, we all head to the Premier League now. Um, so we all head, first of all, to the action on the Premier League weekend. We had the cup action as well. So on the Friday 25th, Southampton beat Norwich 2-0 with goals of Oreo Romeo, a wonderful goal as well, and Shea Adams. Um, Sunday, um, sort of lunchtime game, saw Spurs beat Leeds 4-0 at Own Road with a goal from Harry Kane, Young Minson, Matt Doherty and Kudaszewski. A game that also saw Marcelo Bielsa um, get fired after wonderful two and a half years at the club, which saw them get back to the Premier League after a 16-year absence. Newcastle's um, strength for survival continues with a 2-0 win over struggling Brentford, who haven't won a game since early January. Uh, Joe Woodock and Joe Linton got the goals for Newcastle. 
Palace and Burnley played out a 1-1 draw. Uh, Jeffrey Schlepp and a own goal from Luka Milijevic uh, settled the point there with one goal each. Manu and Watford drew 0-0 uh, in a pretty meaningless game. Uh, Brighton lost 2 0 at home to Aston Villa with goals from Matty Cash and Ollie Watkins, um, giving Villa a much needed win. And then finally, the, the biggest talking point of the whole weekend when it comes to the Premier League came in the late game as Man City beat Everton 1 0 with a goal from Phil Foden with just under 10 minutes left. But the biggest talking point came with about five minutes left of the game, I think it was, uh, where Rodri had the clearest handball you'll ever see in your lifetime, not given. Um, there's something I've talked about long and hard on the hair dry treat, treatment podcast. The other one I'm involved in on Monday night. Uh, I was a big talking point then, and I want to get your boys' thoughts on this as well. How bad was that decision on the weekend not to give um, a penalty for that Rodri handball? It was very bad, but I heard it wasn't given because there was an offside in the build-up with Charleston. But mm. they apologized that I came out with. Like, what's the point of apologizing when you've made a mistake? Like. Just get it right in the first place, and then you wouldn't you wouldn't have to come out and apologise. But yeah, it's, it, it, it was pretty obvious. You know, his arm was out. I've seen many times in the league, players' arms are barely out, and then it hits them, and they're given penalties. So with that one, yeah, it, it was it was a stonewall penalty. But um, I can see why they didn't give it because obviously there was a offside offside in the build up. But even so, it's still a bad decision. Yeah, it, it, at, at the time when I was watching the game, I thought. I could could not believe it was taking so long because it was so clear and obvious that I thought, yeah, like like Naeem said, I thought it must be something beforehand, but they weren't showing anything beforehand on the on the highlights, you know, in game. So I thought, well, what's it, what what is actually you know happening? And this is the problem with with VAR and you know that decision making process, which. They need they need to change. I think it's been called upon this week, hasn't it? Like, like they do in in both rugby and Australian football as well. They've um, they brought it in. I don't know if it's always in now or if it was just a test thing. But basically, you can hear obviously the conversation between referees mm. and the the VAR officials, which I think should be involved. I, I don't you know I, I don't think it should be where you can hear players talking to refs because. You know, there's obviously it's live and you can't have players swearing. But between officials, I don't see that as a problem. I think that would add a bit more clarity to the mm-hmm. situations. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to get your thoughts as well on all of you, but I'll go to Jonathan first, is that obviously the big talking point as well that has come out recently is the fact that obviously the referees involved were um, Chris Kavanagh and um, I think it's Paul, is it Paul Tierney or I forgot his first name, the other referee. Yeah. Mm. Um, and obviously them two were also involved in the Spurs game, the Harry Kane, the uh, spurs Liverpool game with the Harry Kane. <laughs> um, and of course, one thing that's come out recently is that I think it's, I think it's Kavanaugh rather than Tierney. His whole family's from Manchester. And it makes you wonder, if you look back at that Spurs win the other week, mm-hmm. where uh, Antonio Conte, yep. you see him in slow motion, celebrating next to Pep. And who you can see in the corner, you can see Kavanaugh. Uh, looking like his, team's, is like his team playing. It's really bad. And I think... Is he a Man City fan? I don't think he might, but even if his family's Man U, they Man U fans would much rather see City win the league than Liverpool. So it does beg the question that why I know obviously you can't referee your own team, the team you support, like you asked why um I think it's Kevin Friends, a Newcastle fan, he can't um same as Mark Attenberg could have referee Newcastle games. I think if your family's from a certain area, that should be the same thing as that. If you 
even though you may not be, you may not be a fan of, you know, not a fan of Oldham, Bury, or a different team up north. But if your whole family's from Manchester, there's absolutely no way you should be refereeing a game involving a Manchester team or one that could affect a Manchester team. So I think, I think the the, the FA needs all the the Premier League needs a, look, a deeper look at sort of refereeing, sort of looking further than just a team of support, and maybe um, as well. The, um, the, the trouble, the trouble is as well, is although that referee might not be particularly obviously supporting either of the teams he's involved with. Say if he's, you know, Kevin Friend, who's a Newcastle supporter, if he's refereeing, say, I don't know, Burnley against Liverpool, for instance, and obviously Newcastle and Burnley in a relegation fight, then, you know, you do wonder, obviously, if, if, if you know, if Burnley, I don't know, get a penalty decision or something, then you do wonder what goes through the mind, obviously, because that's going to affect his team anyway. So, I do... I don't. I don't. I. I don't. I, I think they should just have, you know, if, if they support a Premier League club, I don't think they should be involved in any Premier League game. Either get a, you know, you look at a foreign referee who can speak English, or you get a referee who supports a lower league club potentially. Yeah, it's not. Think, it's not a bad chat, is it? What do you think, Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, it just seems to be a, a massive scheduling issue. So many of the games in the in the prem got messed up, you know, with COVID's summer on, you know, twenty six twenty six matches, summer on, you know, some other number. So, you know, I understand um, some difficulties moving refs around. You have to work this game, but um, at the end of the day, there still needs to be some sort of better scheduling because, you know, the, the Premier League is probably thinking, oh, we'll put this 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 ref out as the fourth ref and and you know no one will know you know who he supports or where he's from they won't pay any attention to that but there's so many eyes on these games um, i think they're underestimating that that people still do deep dives into who these these referees support um so i think it just really stems from and and they need just a better scheduling uh of moving these refs around um to to better areas to not upset fans do you think as well, I mean, this this is a big game, sort of top and bottom of the league. And you had, for me, I think personally, these are two worst refs we've had in the Premier League for a long time in Tierney and Kavanaugh. These are two yep. terrible referees and they should they should be nowhere near a big game. They should be like, say, um, say the game between Villa and Brighton. That should be the game they referee. They shouldn't be refereeing, you know, a game with such big importance if they've had made such mistakes all year long. I think, you know, for me, the best referees are the likes of Kevin Friend, the likes of... Um, I forgot his name. He looks like Kevin Bridges. I forgot his name, but <laughs> they should have the best referees on the on the biggest games. And obviously, obviously, if they support the team, different story. But if they've got, you know, if they've got no family from that area, I think it's just they should get the best games. And I think even I'd be happy with Mike Dean because I've never really had too much issue with him. Obviously, I know a lot do, but he's nowhere near as bad as these referees that we're seeing at the moment. So um, hopefully, that changes um, on Sunday. There was one Premier League game that saw West Ham beat Wolves 1-0 with a goal from Thomas Suchek before Tuesday night. Saw uh, Leicester win their first game since December with a 2-0 away win against an informed Burnley side with goals from Jamie Vardy and James Madison. On the Sunday, going back to Sunday, there was a League Cup final between Liverpool and Chelsea, which, of course, I'm very happy to say Liverpool won on penalty shootout. Uh, it was a 0-0, one of the best 0-0s you'll ever see in a, in a Cup final, any game for that matter, before a... Uh, I believe it was a 11-10 win on penalties for us as well, with um, Kepa, who came off the bench with a minute to go before penalties. He missed the decisive kick. 
And there, of course, there was FA Cup as well. And there's actually FA Cup draw as we speak. Uh, we will give you updates of that as are happening. Um, in terms of the games that already happened this season or this weekend in the Premier League. Um, so on the... Um, let's have a look at now. Sorry, my phone's playing up. So on uh, the, the Tuesday, Man City beat Peterborough 2-0 with uh, goals from Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez. And other games was Hampton beat West Ham 3-1. That was yesterday. Um, and other results yesterday, also on the Tuesday, saw Palace beat Stoke 2-1 and Middlesbrough get another shock win with a 1-0 win against Tottenham. Heading into Wednesday, as I said before, Southampton beat West Ham 3-1, Chelsea beat Luton 3-2, and a game I was at, Liverpool beat Norwich 2-1 with two goals from Taki Minamino. And the game tonight sees Everton play last round's shock team, Bournemouth. Wood. Um, as I was saying, FA Cup draw is on in any second now, so I will give you updates when these draws come in. But that is the Premier League roundup and FA Cup roundup, I should say, for this week. Our next thing we're going to focus on, I know I gave you some of my Italian earlier on today, we're going to head to Syria. So, Ryan, what's been happening in Italy the last seven days? Well, I'll start off by telling you that no one wants to win the Squadetto this season. <laughs> Well, um, no one in Milan anyway, and I'll tell you why. AC Milan against Udinese at the San Siro Friday evening, a game that me and I was due to attend. What was the score? 1-1. <laughs> Genoa against Inter Friday night, a couple of hours later. What was the score? 0-0. <laughs> <laughs> Only one of the title protagonists won this weekend, and that was Napoli, who, thanks to... Fabian Ruiz, they won 2-1 away to Lazio, a 94th minute winner. Uh, it was a really, really good goal as well from, from Ruiz, who is actually, again, another player who's been linked with a move to Arsenal in the summer. So very, very interesting to see how that game unfolded. It was a decent game as well, to be fair. But we did also see fourth-placed Juventus win away at Empoli by three goals to two. Thanks to a brace from Dusan Vlahovic, who scored two very nice goals, particularly his second, where he timed his run to absolute perfection, then made a lovely touch to bring the ball forward and then cheekily dinked it over the keeper. He uh, he played very, very well. Um, elsewhere, Sassuolo, they beat Fiorentina 2-1. Giovanni Simeone, he bagged a hat-trick for Verona to continue his fine season, with a 15 now for the campaign, putting him in third place in the top goal-scoring standards. Roma, they needed a 99th-minute penalty to get the win away at Spezia in a feisty affair, which saw eight bookings and a red card. And lastly, could we see Cagliari out of trouble? They looked all but doomed not too long ago. They're now on a five-game unbeaten run after their win at the weekend at Torino. And so after all of that... It is Napoli who lead the way, although they only lead on goal difference, they are level on points with Milan. Both in turn are two points ahead of Inter, who do still have that game in hand. But Juventus, who keep flip-flopping every single week, I can't make my mind up, but they are now just seven points behind the top three, which begs the question, if if, if they can turn that around and win that title, it would be the most remarkable thing I've ever seen because at one stage a couple of weeks ago they were fifty to one to win that to win it and uh, in there they were seven to one on 
and yeah, they've been made to look like a bunch of mugs, really. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms of, again, the bottom of the table, if Venezia win their game in hand, there will be five teams separated by just one point for that final relegation spot. Okay. Teams including the likes of Udinese and Sampdoria, and that would be big shame to see either of those sort of teams go down, really. They're both historic clubs in Italy, and both have some very, very good players, so it'll be uh, sad to see either of them go down, but I mean, that wraps it up for the league. In terms of the cup competition that is still going, we had the first legs of the Coppa Italia in the week with the Milan derby on Wednesday, no, Tuesday night, sorry. Uh, that was a 1-1 draw, quite a boring game as well, to be honest. I only watched the highlights as, it was, <laughs> as I was a little bit busy, but yeah, from what I saw, it wasn't very good. And yeah, it was awful, mate, it was awful. Honestly, and the one I watched last night, was not much better. Fiorentina yeah. against Juventus. My <laughs> God. The referee, even the commentator was getting bored. He, <laughs> you know, there was one commentator and I felt sorry for him because he was struggling. They're, both teams were defending well, but attacking wise, it was like watching Kingsland against Wrexham. Like, <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. You can knock Kingsland all you like, but don't knock the Welsh one. <laughs> <laughs> they honestly, like, it, it, it was it was poor stuff going forward. You know, Fiorentina, they will be fuming because in the 92nd minute, just one minute left, they conceded an own goal and the centre-back who conceded at Venuti, he was not happy. He looked like he was going to go on a massacre after that game. He was pushing everybody away, you know, fighting pretty much with everyone, including his teammates. He was... Very, very annoyed, let's just put it that way. And Juve now get a precious away goal to take back to Turin. So I think we'll see them in the final, whether it's against Inter or AC, who knows. But yeah, um, ultimately they were they were two poor legs. But again, they were first legs, so they're always a little bit cagey. And I think we'll see better games in the return legs in about five or six weeks' time. So... They didn't get played till, until the, like, the end of the season, like. But yeah, it's never it's never a dull moment, is it? No, and it sounds like that league is. Being, I remember that when we did the podcast last season. I remember even then it sounded crazy with that mm. and league in. It's uh, but it, it sounds like it's getting crazier this year. It sounds like it's no one seems to want to win it. <laughs> it's, it's definitely picked up. I mean, it wasn't too long ago where Juve were winning every single season, and mm. and, and nobody was really watching it over the last two to three seasons it's just been utter madness and long may it continue mm, definitely um yeah one league as well that has sort of in in the recent years been quite an exciting league maybe not as much these days but still pretty exciting is la liga so naeem what's been happening the last seven days so yeah kicking off on the friday night um we had levante against elche so obviously levante as i've mentioned they are rock bottom of La Liga, but they took on Elche and actually they won 3-0. Um, it was a bit, bit of a surprise to see that, but you know they're unbeaten in their last three games now and they're starting to pick up a little bit of form. Whether it'll be enough to get them out of the relegation zone, we shall see. On the Saturday, Mallorca, they took on Valencia. Gabriel Polista with his first start since October after suffering an injury, scored in the third minute with a wonder strike. He was about 35 Yards out, he literally just whacked it, hit a crossbar, went in. Goalkeeper had no chance. Second half sub, 
Um, Moriba, he got sent off uh, with two yellows near the end of the game, so that wasn't a good cameo appearance from him. Next game, we saw Getafe, they took on Deportivo. They reduced the 10 men, Getafe, in the 32nd minute. Uh, Jorge Calenza received a straight red after VAR um, overturned the yellow card and put, put it to a red. But they made it 1-0 before half-time. Uh, Getafe did equalise 10 minutes into the second half before Edgar Mendes put the visitors in front to make it 2-1. Enes Unal, who scored the goal of the game and probably the goal of the weekend, uh, with his second of the afternoon. Um, it was a goal similar to Rodrigo's against Manchester United not too long ago, but this shot this shot he actually did meant he wasn't trying to cross it because he noticed the goalkeeper off his line and he made it 2-2. So, yeah, that game ended 2-2 in the end. Uh, Rayo Vallecano, they took on Real Madrid. It was a game um, with... Chances for both teams. Um, Rayo Vallecano, they probably will feel unlucky to have lost the game 1 0, thanks to Benzema. Um, obviously, he's the top goal scorer of the season. So they narrowly won 1 0 against Rayo Vallecano, who have seemed to have been a bit of poor form at the moment. Um, they've lost five straight games. They did start off well with the first half of the season, but obviously, they're a newly promoted team, and everyone probably would have known that they wouldn't have kept. That sort of form up. So they're in 12th place, but yeah, they haven't won in five games. Atletico Madrid, they beat Celta Vigo 2 0 at home thanks to both goals from Ren and Lodi. Condobia uh, actually got both assists. And yes, they, they won 2 0 there. Villarreal, they, they, they pretty much battered Espanyol 5 1. Uh, Jeremy Pino scored a, a perfect first half hat trick before. Getting a fourth goal in the second half with Espanyol getting a consolation goal in the 65th minute before Bolo Dia rounded off the score, uh, making it 5-1. Um, so the quick stat, Jeremy Pino, he is the youngest player in the Liga history to score a first half hat-trick. He's uh, 19 years old, so that was, a, that was quite interesting to see. Sevilla took on Real Betis in a local derby. Only 2.8 miles separate the two team stadiums. Sevilla made it 1-0 thanks to Ivan Rakitic. Before Munir, he made it 2-0 before half-time. And late on in added time in the second half, Sergio Canales scored a well-taken free kick to get one goal back. So the end result was 2-1 there. Real Sociedad, they took on Osasuna. Um, Artis El Astondo with the only goal in the second half. Um, secured the three points there. Barcelona, they took on Athletic Club at the Camp Nou with Bamiang scoring once again after Gerard Piquet's header came crashing off the bar and Bamiang with the acrobatics uh, made it 1-0. In the second half, that's when uh, most of the goals, rest of the goals came. Uh, Dembele came on as a second half sub. He did receive some jeers and boos from the home crowd, but he did shut them up five minutes later after scoring. Another second-half substitute, Luke de Jong. He would convert from Dembele's cross, um, scoring a header from inside the six-yard box. And in the 94th minute, another substitute, Memphis Depay, would score from another Dembele cross. So he he came on in the second half. He got a goal and two assists. So it was a good little cameo appearance there. He's probably looking for a move away, obviously, because he hasn't signed a new deal. So, you know... Probably putting on the performances so he can get a good move away from the Camp Nou. 
And then last game of the weekend was Granada against Cadiz. Um, this game ended 0-0, so not too much reporting there. And Granada did play um, some of the first half and the majority of the second half with 10 men. And yesterday, um, saw, we saw Mallorca take on Real Madrid. This was a game in hand. Real Sociedad ran out 2-0 winners, thanks to goals from David Silva and Mikel Marino. So, the bottom of the table looks like this. So, in 20th place, we have, obviously, Levante, unbeaten in three games. They're on 18 points. In 19th place and 18th place is Alaves and Cadiz. They're both on 21 points. Uh, Granada, they haven't won a game so far this year. They are on 25 points, so... You know, there's only four points separating those um, two teams there. So, Levante, if they can keep up their form, they might have a slim chance of staying up. And at the top of the table, so separating sixth, sorry, seventh place and third place is only four points. So, Villarreal, they're doing well. They're unbeaten in the last five, winning four and drawing one. They're on 42 points. Real Sociedad, after winning the uh, previous two games, they are on 44 points. Atletico Madrid... They are fifth on 45 points. Barcelona, who are in good form now, they're also on 45 points, but they've got a better goal difference than Atletico Madrid. And still in third place is Real Betis. They're on 46 points. So, yeah, that gap that they did have has um, it's only gone down to one point now. So, yeah. And then, obviously, in second and first place, is, it hasn't remained, hasn't changed. So, Sevilla with 54 points and Real Madrid are on 60 points so still six points separating the two teams but it's only only Barcelona and uh, Rayo Vallecano have a game in hand so yeah I'm still going to say Real Madrid are going to be winning the league because they just know how to grind out results and Sevilla every time they they have a chance to you know close a gap uh, Roma just seems to always just win or they drop points themselves. So, yeah, that's a quick round of what's going on in Spain. Not too much movement going on, but still exciting anyway to see um, who's going to get those Champions League spots and the other European spots and who's going to go down. I've got to say mm. how how nice it is to see both Sevilla and Real Betis in second and third. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I only said a little while ago, you know, to, to Naeem that Real Betis are probably now my my Spanish club because I've watched them a few times lately and you, when you look at their squad, they've got so many good players mm. in there and the stadium is just so nice. Uh, I just like everything about Betis as well. But just like look, looking into the second division in Spain, it's so mm. it's so strange when you look at some of the teams that might go up. You've got Ibiza in seventh place at the moment. <laughs> they, they could go, they could get a playoff place. Tenerife they're in fourth place. They could go up. Um, obviously, you have got the return in Real Valladolid owned by uh, the original Ronaldo as well. So it'd be nice to see. Um, hopefully, them three teams go up and get some nice away days in. Yeah, it'd be good content, wouldn't it? <laughs> Travelling to all those places, but um, yeah, no, Real Betis, yeah, they're doing they're doing well because obviously they got um, Pellegrini in. Obviously, people know him from obviously Man City. Obviously, he was at West Ham. He was at Malaga as well in Spain. But yeah, he's doing a good job so far. Um, obviously, they're still in Europa League. That's mm. obviously what they qualified for last season. They're they're in third place now. I know their gap has it's not as much as it was a couple of weeks back, but. 
Yeah, like you said, yeah, the, the squad they got is is a pretty decent squad, and they've got a good manager in Pellegrini. So, yeah, I hope they do get Champions League football next season because yeah, they've been good this season out of the rest of the teams um, in the league. Yeah, just just finishing on there. You know, I did watch the uh, Seville derby at the weekend as well, and never a, never a dull game, is it? Between, between no, no. <laughs> Christ, they're mental. Well, the FA Cup draw has been. Um, announced. Ooh. So um, Palace will host Everton or Bournemouth. Forest or Huddersfield will host Liverpool. Middlesbrough will host Chelsea in their hunt for a third giant killing Ooh. this season. And Southampton play Man City. So no real exciting fixtures there in terms of, you know, with three the three best teams in the country all still in the competition. No one face each other, which means if all, if it all goes to plan, we should get a very exciting semi-final at least. You know, mm. we could see a Merseyside derby. We could see Liverpool against Chelsea, Man City against Liverpool. So I think, and I think for the neutral, I think the ideal one is probably Chelsea against City and Liverpool against Everton. Probably that's probably the best. Yeah. The yeah. So also, you know, on paper, we should beat Everton, but a semi-final, you know, even a Merseyside derby in a Premier League, it's always, you know, almost like a coin flip. Sometimes, you know, the the, the occasion it makes, you know, makes us so even. But um, so, I certainly wouldn't count Borough out though against Chelsea. Oh, yeah, oh. I don't know. They've, um, Manu and Spurs. So I think they have some sort of good spirit. You saw their spirit all those years ago in your way, in your way for Cup when they got to the final. Yeah. And I think, you know, for our friend Connor, hopefully they do beat Chelsea. Mm. But that is the end of our podcast. But before we go, also we, have, we haven't addressed the elephant in the room, what's going on in the world right now. So I just want to say on behalf of all five of us on the podcast, just wishing our best for all the um, victims so far in Ukraine is what's going on out there. Hopefully... It can get resolved by the next time we speak, but I can't see that happening, sadly. No. Um, no. But yeah, we're sending all our best wishes from Eurotrips. Um, but this has been Andy, this has been Ryan, this has been Naeem, this has been Jonathan, and we will see you next time. <laughs>